0: This week we want to tell you again about McAvoy Ranch because well now we've gotten to try their products and they are delicious.
1: McAvoy Ranch creates sustainably produced extra virgin olive oil that's the world's best and it comes from their Northern California ranch. The company is female founded and female led by their president Samantha Dorsey.
0: Olive oil itself has so many health benefits as an anti-inflammatory and an antioxidant, but McAvoy Ranch also makes olive oil delicious. And since I'm trying to eat healthier, but I still love my sweets, I tried their organic blood orange olive oil last week in place of butter in my sugar cookies, and I am still dreaming about how tasty they were.
1: Actually, olive oil is a great substitute for butter and a lot of baking because it contains healthier fats than butter. Olive oil is also a great swap for vegetable oil because it maintains its health benefits throughout the cooking process. If
0: you'd like to experience the healthy and tasty benefits for yourself, visit www.mcevoyranch.com and enter promo code COFFEE15 to receive 15% off your order. You will be so happy you did. They are a company with products worth celebrating.
1: So, I know we're in the dead of summer, but my heart longs for fall. With the 4th of July now past us here in the States, I can fully turn my attention to all things spooky, all things orange, all things autumn, all things Halloween. Don't get me wrong, I do love summer, but fall means I'm one step closer to Christmas, thus, I love fall. While the case we're covering today may not have taken place during the Halloween season, rather on Valentine's Day, it has many aspects that we associate with Halloween. Witches, the occult, terror. Picture a quiet village nestled amongst rolling hills and shrouded in ancient folklore. Lower Quentin, a place seemingly untouched by time, held a secret. An unspeakable secret that would forever haunt its inhabitants. On a cold February morning, the tranquil atmosphere was shattered. And the tranquility turned to terror. A humble and well-respected local was discovered in a twisted tapestry of darkness and dread. The villagers gasped in horror as they stumbled upon a gruesome scene, the likes of which they had never witnessed before. Someone's lifeless body was found amidst the fields, his face etched in an expression of terror frozen in time. But what could drive someone to commit such a heinous act of brutality? The answer lay deep inside those hidden secrets in that tight-knit community. As investigation unfolded, investigators were confronted with perplexing clues. Symbols etched into the earth, cryptic marks scorched into the barks of trees, superstitions and folklore intertwined with the reality of the murder most foul. In their search for truth, they unraveled tales of witchcraft and occult practices, a world unseen by most lurking in the shadows of rural England. The lines between fact and fiction blurred as the weight of history and folklore pressed down on the investigators' shoulders. This is the story of Charles Walton. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, because, as we all know, conversation helps to keep the missing person in the public consciousness, helping keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week.
0: Holy cow.
1: I am intrigued. Oh, good. This one was, um, it's different than a lot that we've done before. Oh, sounds kind of spooky. And we're across the pond. In <gasps> we your favorite are. Place. We're in England. Yeah. That's so amazing. all these words I can't pronounce, you can tell me how to pronounce them. <laughs> <laughs> so. so- the case of Charles Walton um, remains one of the most perplexing and mysterious cases in British history.
0: Oh, wow. Um, and we've covered some perplexing ones on the
1: show ourselves as well. Um, so. This this one is um, kind of gruesome, a little more gruesome than some of the ones we've talked about before.
0: So listener discretion.
1: Yeah, especially when we get to the part where, like, his body's discovered. If your littles mm. are listening, you may want to just kind of turn it down for a second. Yeah. But this murder happened in a small village of Lower Quentin, which is in Warwickshire, Warwickshire. I'm not sure. I'm going to go with Warwickshire because that sounds more Worden. like something I would say naturally England. Yeah. And he's found on February 14th, 1945. And his death was so brutal that it really did shock this little community and ended up capturing the attention of the whole nation so there were extensive investigations that were done but even despite that and all this time that's passed the case still remains unsolved and i feel like with cases that are this old a lot of the times you know myth and legend kind of oh
0: yeah we talk about that a lot
1: blur the Mm -hmm. facts of reality you know and so we will talk about that a little bit in this case So the goal for today is to delve into the details surrounding Charles Walton's murder. We're going to look at some evidence and talk about some theories and maybe some motives that have been talked about over the years. But before we do that, I did want to take just a moment to introduce you to Charles Walton because I can just picture his little quaint life when Mm -hmm. we talk about who he is. Okay. So Charles Walton was born on May twelfth, eighteen seventy, and was found murdered right. on February the 14th, 1945.
0: Okay. So we're going back a little historical case. His birthday was actually yeah. one day before Rodney's birthday. I mean, he was Rodney wasn't born in 1870, oh. but he was born on May 13th. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. Well, Rodney aged really well. Thank you. Thank you. I think so. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) He was born to Charles Sr. and Emma Walton. And I read that he worked on like farms and in agriculture his entire life and always lived in Lower Quentin.
0: Okay. So he's one of those. It's a lot of small towns. You're born there, you Mm -hmm. continue to stay there.
1: Yeah. And that was him. And at the time of this case, he was actually a widower. And he shared the small cottage where he lived, which was at 15 Lower Quinton, with his 33-year-old niece, Edith. And interestingly, he and his wife actually adopted Edith when she was around three after her mother died. Even though her father still lived in, like, nearby Stratford. But they adopted her. And I didn't read any details about why. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Well, I'm just Mm -hmm. glad that she grew up in a home with
1: family. Yeah. And hopefully she was happy. I think she was. Yeah. I think they were happy with their little quaint life that they lived. Mm -hmm. His wife actually died in 1927, and so that left him and Edith to run the house and they had lived in that house or he had since world war one okay so while charles had lived in the community for forever there weren't that many people that felt like they really knew him he was looked at more as a loner um, um he just kind of kept to himself mm-hmm. and it wasn't that he was disliked just i think he don't know that way yeah Right. He did earn a really good reputation as a horse trainer in his youth, so he was really talented in training horses, which I'm sure is very difficult. I don't think I would have the patience to do that.
0: Right. Yeah, I don't think I would either.
1: I did read, though, in an article by a true crime detective, quote... However, despite not being actively disliked, the locals would also speak of strange happenings surrounding him. Birds would flock to his hand, and he's said to have the ability to tame dogs by his voice alone. Mm. Warwickshire is a hotbed of folklore, and some in the village talked of old superstitions, including witchcraft and his involvement in local covens. However, the majority believed he merely had the wisdom of age and a life of rural experience. He knew the old ways, end quote.
0: So, Interesting.
1: And I get I, how, I kind of get how those yeah. two
0: things could be confused because, you know, if you look at the older generations, they tend to know, you know, here's a home remedy for a burn treatment, you know, mix yeah. together these mm-hmm. things and then you put it on a burn and all of a sudden it goes away quickly and sometimes more effectively than modern medicine or conveniences and then I get how that could be perceived as quote-unquote witchcraft by some as times are changing
1: yeah it's kind of like um an Appalachia will say that's an old wives' mm-hmm yep and I wonder if it's things like that mm-hmm so Obviously, he's at an advanced age by this point, but even though he had rheumatoid arthritis and was like in his 70s, he walked with a stick. He actually still sought work wherever he could find it. And at the time of this case, he had been working for a local farmer named Alfred Potter on and off for about nine months. Okay. And yeah, he's 74. Wow. Y'all you, you know I can't math, but I <laughs> hope to God I'm not working. On right a farm when right
0: that's hard work mm-hmm. hard work
1: and you know he had to be looking forward to well i mean maybe he wasn't because i feel like my grandpa until he couldn't anymore worked in his garden oh, like day after yep, day yep i was gonna say he probably looked forward to retirement but maybe he didn't maybe he enjoyed staying yeah. active
0: i mean my grandma was the same way like we knew as she advanced in age We always said if she ever had to slow down or stop, that would be what Mm -hmm. killed her.
1: Yep. And I thought this was crazy, but I read in one article that in 1945, and I'm probably going to say 1995, like 7,000 times. (laughs) In 1945, there were about 141 murders in England and Wales at that time. Hmm. I mean, I don't know if that's a lot, but that sounds like a lot to me right and this murder of charles walton was one that truly just really shook the community yeah so on that day on february the 14th 1945 charles left home with a pitchfork and a slash hook in hand and i had absolutely no clue what a slash hook was so, I Googled it. But then after I saw it, I was like, duh, Maggie. Oh, is that it's like, like a
0: Psy? Like yeah. you see the Grim Reaper with kind of that you use to.
1: Yeah. Like cut weeds. Or okay. Grass. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's I didn't exactly know it was also it
0: called a Slash Hook, but I like the name Slash Hook even better.
1: It's That to me sounds a little more gruesome, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it kind of <laughs> does. But I've once i saw it i was like oh yeah duh and you know then remembering that he works on a farm it would make oh, sense yeah that he's carrying these things because mm-hmm. they would be typical farm equipment right witnesses saw him pass through the local churchyard in this community between 9 and 9 30 a.m headed towards me on hill again hopefully i'm pronouncing all these words right but in maggie's mind That's how you say it. (laughs) Because he was going there, because it spelled like neon, but with an M. Yeah. So. So neon. But he was going there to cut weeds for the day. Okay. So again, tools make sense. Yes. And while he was cutting weeds, I thought this was neat. Edith, remember the niece, was working as a printer's assembler at the Royal Uh Society of the Arts, which had been relocated. To Lower Quentin for the duration of the war because it couldn't be like downtown or in a Mm -hmm. bigger city because they were being bombed. Oh. So it was actually in like a more small community.
0: Oh, because we're World War II at this
1: point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we're not quite at the end of World War II yet. Okay. And Edith would later report that on that day, Charles, or on any day that he cut weeds, Mm -hmm. he was usually home around 4 p.m. And on most days, she got home around 6 So she works a little later than he does. Okay. But on February the 14th, when she got home around 6, Charles was nowhere to be seen. And this wasn't like him.
0: Okay. Because
1: along with being sort of like this loner, he was also a creature of habit. So he would get up at the same time. He took lunch at the same time. Mm. He like got off work and he did the same things on work days habitually. Mm -hmm. So if he's not home, when she gets home, that's really out of character for him. Mm -hmm. And so she knew, you know, he's not at the pub. He's not seeing a friend because this is just not in his routine. So something must be wrong.
0: Right. If he's a loner, he's either going to be at work or he's going to be back at home.
1: Exactly. Especially on days where he had, you know, those set routines.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So instead of waiting to see... If Charles would roll home or what time, he would show up. She actually went to her neighbor's house to see if maybe he had heard from her uncle. And this man's name was Harry Beasley. He lived next door at 16 Lower Quentin. Okay. And she went to his house and just explained, you know, he should be home by four. He wasn't, this isn't like him. He was out cutting weeds. I'm scared. Something's happened. Maybe he got hurt and he can't get home. Something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, the two of them, he goes with her to the farm where Charles was working, called the Furs, to talk to Charles's boss, Alfred Potter, just to see, you know, did he get hurt? Did he have to go see the doctor? Is that why he isn't back in time? Mm-hmm. Things like that.
0: That makes sense. I mean, that would be the first person I would think to go to, is his boss.
1: And because his boss has probably been, like, the last person, or seen him most frequently that day, you know? Right. So, it would make right. sense talk to him first when edith and harry arrived at potter's they told him that charles didn't make it home at the expected time and potter says you know what i last saw charles charles earlier in the day and he was slashing hedges in hill ground which was the direction that he was headed that morning when okay people saw him in the churchyard okay so making sense mm-hmm The trio then set out in the direction of the spot where Charles had last been seen to look for him or to look for clues as to where he may have gone next. They did find something, but it wasn't what they wanted to find.
0: Oh no, this is going to be the gruesome part. I feel it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. After searching for a while, the three eventually did find his body near a hedge grove. And the scene that lay before them was pretty brutal, Allison. And we've talked about, like I said, a lot. Um, but this one, I think, ra- ranks kind of up there with some of the more gruesome ones we've talked about. Mm. True Crime Detectives said that Charles had been a victim of a horrific attack, shocking in its violence, and utilizing... Charles's own weapons against him. So, one, he oh, had no. been severely beaten with his walking stick on the head. Oh. Then, if that wasn't enough, his throat had been slashed three times with that <sighs> hook. The slash hook thing. Oh, my goodness. And not satisfied with that, the assailant actually stabbed Charles in the chest with that pitchfork that he carried oh. and then finished by ramming the pitchfork through his face oh my pinning gosh. him to the ground and then locking the handle underneath like a branch of a hedge so he was kind of wedged there oh. with that like slash thing left in his throat and the pitchfork through his face
0: oh my goodness Yeah, this is not random attack. This is, that's a very Mm -hmm. personal.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. There were some, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about it later on, um, accounts that said that there was a cross carved in his chest. But that wasn't ever reported in the autopsy. So I think that's Mm kind of one of those. Folklore. Between Mm -hmm. legend and reality. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, at this point, Edith is overcome with grief. From my understanding, I don't think she went all the way up to the body. I think she could just kind of thankfully, see it from.
0: Thankfully. Yeah. I don't I don't know what kind of person could see something like that and not be completely traumatized.
1: Oh, I, it's traumatic reading about it. I couldn't imagine right. yeah. witnessing it.
0: Hmm.
1: Harry, so the, her neighbor that was with her, would later tell investigators that he tried to keep her calm. He really kept her away as best he could from seeing so much of the body. And he actually ends up walking her down the hill away from the scene. So she can kind of calm down and not be, like, looking at her right. murdered uncle in such a state. Ugh. At the same time that they're walking down the hill a man named Harry Peachy was walking along the side of the road and Potter, the boss, called out to him and said, hey, we've discovered a dead body up here. Do you care to go get the police? And Peachy does go get the police. Okay. Not wanting to chance that someone would stumble upon the body or mess with the scene, Potter actually stood over the murder scene until police arrived because, you know, Harry and Edith have walk down the hill at this point so he's just up there by himself to make sure nobody oh yeah stumbles upon this or messes Mm -hmm. with any of the Mm -hmm. scene
0: right keep it secure
1: right and according to the metropolitan police file the first policeman on the scene was actually this is another last name that it's a doozy was pc michael james lomasney and I'm going to call him PCL from now on okay. because every time I say his name, I'm going to stumble over it. But Lomasney, <laughs> who arrived at 7.05 p.m. Members of the CID arrived later in the evening. And then a man named Professor James Webster, who worked at the Midlands Forensic Laboratory, arrived around 11.30 p.m. And the body was finally removed at 1.30 in the morning.
0: So Wow. It, that took, well... I mean, it's still several hours, yeah. mm -hmm.
1: When the first officer, PCL, arrived at the scene, he immediately went to work, and he noticed a lot of kind of strange things at the crime scene, some strange behavior. Um, But before we really get into how people were acting and the things that he found, I want to talk about how he tried to establish a timeline So they think that's really important. They want to know when this happened to Charles.
0: Well, because really all we know is he left it between 9 and
1: 9.30. Yeah, that's so far that's the last sighting that we know of. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Detective Inspector Toombs took a statement from Potter, so the boss, that shed some light on when Charles may have been brutally murdered. Many at the scene including the investigators noted how potter was visibly upset which i think you would be if you stumbled upon any crime scene right. especially if it was someone who was working for you and you had yes. a relationship with right but they said that he was so upset that he was shaking and i don't know how i would be in that situation and i hope i'm right. never in that situation right but i think i would be shaking too mm-hmm. but it was so much to the fact that they really noticed it.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Okay.
1: Constable L stated, quote, he was shivering and complained about being cold, which it is February, Mm -hmm. but I digress. Looking back, I think Potter appeared more worried than one would expect him to be. His complaint of feeling cold, I considered a strange excuse from one who was used to attending to animals at all hours and in all kinds of weather, especially as the murdered man was his own employee and had been murdered on his own land, end quote.
0: I'm gonna give Potter the benefit of the, of the doubt right now because, again, I get what this constable is saying and I understand and most farmers mm-hmm. who I've known in my life do have kind of a thicker skin, like they're not gonna be shivering in the cold, Mm -hmm. you know. I so I get it. But he has been traumatized. It is late at night Mm -hmm. in February, which is going to be colder. And I guarantee you this constable had his coat on. I'll just
1: And you know I think you would be more nervous if one, Mm -hmm. you or who found a dead body and two, mm-hmm. it's um, the body of a man who works for you. And three, he was murdered on your property. I mean, like, that's things true. just
0: aren't looking very good for you. That's true. Yeah. Even if you're innocent, it's like when I see a cop car coming up behind me, even though I'm not speeding because yeah. I'm a rule follower, I'm still like, oh no, was was I going like one mile over? Oh no.
1: You know, Yeah. did I yeah. not stop always? I have away a tail light out. Time? Yeah. yeah. Mm hmm. So, I'm going to also give him the benefit of the doubt for right Uh now. He's honest with investigators and told them that he'd known Charles about five years, which was the, from what I remember, the entire time Potter had been at the first farm. And he goes on to tell police that he had employed Charles casually over the last nine months and said that Charles had worked for him when weather permitted on, you know, just whatever project needed to be done. Uh And at present he had been cutting fields for the last several months and that hill where he's found the one at hill ground was the last one that needed cutting
0: okay
1: so when asked where he was that day potter had the following to say he said that he had been in college arms with a man named joseph stanley who was a farmer at white cross farm until about noon that day He'd gone straight across to a small field adjoining Hillground and saw Charles working about 5 to 600 yards away. So he says he noticed Charles like around lunchtime. Okay. And he said when he saw Charles that he had about 10 yards of hedge left to cut. And when they found the body that afternoon there were 4 yards that had been cut, so he was about halfway through. And Potter said it would have taken him about half an hour's work. So oh, that kind of gives us a little four. bit of a time on. Okay. So just mm-hmm. a little bit after lunch yeah. time. Yeah. And according to the Metropolitan Police file, Potter stated that he knew it was Charles' habit to stop for lunch around eleven mm-hmm. and that he would work continuously to get the job done until four. So he didn't take any breaks between four and eleven, or eleven and four rather. Okay. So, PCL initially, this is weird to me, and I read this in a couple different sources, thought that maybe this could have been some type of suicide, but I think that's a really weird conclusion to come to. Mm-hmm. That is very weird. And I don't think that, I don't think that I, that was the conclusion how, for very long after we... Well, I don't
0: understand how you can look at those injuries and say at all that you've come to that conclusion how would one do that to oneself
1: it kind of reminds me of if we could possibly say that's a theory of the cindy james case remember where they oh, yeah. said that she was doing all that to herself but i think that would be really hard to cut your throat three times and then stab yeah. yourself through the face yeah i don't see that happening <laughs> yeah so i think maybe he was a little inexperienced in murder cases maybe mm-hmm. perhaps yeah, maybe he was so. a young detective i right. don't know but upon inspecting the body, the police noted that Charles was wearing a chain for a pocket watch, but the watch itself was missing. So they thought that was kind of interesting. Okay. They later released a description of it and it was described as quote, gents plain white metal pocket watch, snap clothes at the back white enamel face with edgar jones stafford on avon they on second hand english numerals valued at 25 shillings about well, this what that would have been when they released that statement it was 10 years after he died so okay i don't know what 10 shillings would be today but i don't mm-hmm. think it would be super expensive yeah so they're saying you know the watch is probably an unlikely prize if we're thinking this was for robbery okay so instead of them thinking like suicide obviously or theft they're now thinking okay we have some type of maniac on the loose or some people said it could be an italian prisoner of war because there was a pow camp nearby so at the present those are the theories that they're talking seems
0: odd though to just attack a random farmer who's just cutting weeds
1: Yeah, and especially somebody that kind of kept to himself. Yeah. Like, who has he made mad? Right. Hmm. Pretty quickly, though, local law enforcement realized that they're kind of in over their heads, and so they call for assistance from Scotland Yard. And the deputy chief constable of Warwickshire sent a message on February 15th, so the next day, Mm -hmm. that called for the help. And that call said, quote... The chief constable has asked me to get assistance of Scotland Yard to assist in the brutal case of murder that took place yesterday. The deceased is a man named Charles Walton, aged 74, and was killed with an instrument known as a slash hook. The murder was either committed by a madman or one of the Italian prisoners who are in a camp nearby. The assistance of an Italian interpreter would be necessary, I think. Dr. Webster states deceased was killed between 1 and 2 p.m. yesterday. The metal watch is missing from the body. It could be... It is being circulated, end quote. So they have pinned his time of death between 1 and 2 p.m.
0: Okay. I guess that's based on seeing the hedge trimmings, all that
1: stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if he left around noon, yeah, Mm -hmm. I would say like 1 would be a pretty good estimate. Mm Mm-hmm. And they respond pretty quick to that call, the Scotland Yard does, because they arrive on February the 16th with Chief Inspector Robert Fabian and his partner, Detective Sergeant Albert Webb, to assist in this investigation. Then later on in the day, Detective Sergeant Saunders, a special branch who was an Italian speaker, arrived. Because, you know, they think
0: oh, yeah. if this the Italian prisoner of war camp. camp
1: is nearby, we need... right.
0: hmm we need somebody who can
1: speak italian yeah yeah so fabian and webb immediately took over the investigation and saunders was tasked with making inquiries at the local pow camp and he actually did find i thought this was so crazy and when i was talking about this with anthony he was like this is that's weird but he actually did find that the prisoners were allowed to just pretty much roam freely in the local area and it was close to lower quentin i don't know if it's because maybe it's because they could maybe sense that the war was coming to an end because it did end that september maybe it still seems a little odd small and rural maybe the town's so isolated that they're like where are you gonna go in the dead of winter i don't know still a little weird but yeah whatever (laughs) okay But he does discover that on the same day of the killing, some of those POWs had actually went into Stratford to watch a play, and others had went into town to watch a movie. Hmm. So there's these prisoners of war roaming town. Thus, the theory of the POW killing Charles was born. Because they have access. Did you know that dehydration is the leading cause of daytime fatigue? I was shocked to learn that even mild dehydration can cause headaches, muscle weakness, and brain fog. But luckily, there's a solution, CURE. CURE believes that hydration should be simple and effective, but
0: also clean and natural. That's why they use only the highest quality plant-based ingredients and avoid any artificial or harmful additives. They're committed to transparency and honesty. All of their ingredients are clearly listed on their website and packaging. And they're always happy to answer any questions or concerns.
1: Ready to combat dehydration? Track your today and feel the difference for yourself. Use code Cases for 20% off your order. So Fabian and Webb waste no time. They set up headquarters in Stafford-upon-Avon and they actually got a giant map of the area and I picture, you know, like, the maps with the yarn and the push pins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what I picture. But they actually traced um, the movements of all of those involved in the life of Charles. And oh. where they had been the day he was killed. Which I thought was innovative. Yes, for the that's time. very good. Yeah. Surprisingly, they also used the Royal Air Force to take aerial photos of the crime scene to see oh. if there was anything maybe that they had missed and that they mm-hmm. could see from above, which I okay. thought was very interesting. Yep. You were clearly able to see blood stains on the grass, even from that altitude of several hundred feet. So oh, it had wow. been pretty gruesome and he lost a lot right. of
0: blood. Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: They did organize a ground search using metal detectors because the hope was they could find that pocket watch. And if Mm. they found the pocket watch, then maybe it would have fingerprints from the perpetrator on it. Smart. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing they found nothing. they did not find anything. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. The watch was not found. Mm. The two began talking to people who may have seen Charles in the hours or minutes before his death. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that conversation... An Italian POW was arrested oh. and brought in for questioning, but unlike others of the time or even today, because I feel like that would be such an easy fallback, like, oh yeah, it was a prisoner of war. It's right. this guy. That does seem like sure. a
0: scapegoat. And then you yeah. Get...
1: Yeah. But they actually really looked in the two investigators into this man's whereabouts and they actually said that he was innocent and let him go. Oh. Okay. So I guess yep. they just figured out he did
0: have a solid alibi?
1: Mm-hmm. I think he may have been one of the ones that was, like, at a movie or something like that. Uh, if okay. If I don't remember correctly. Okay. Professor Webster's autopsy, and remember, he is that forensic specialist. Okay. Found that Charles had actually fought against his attacker. So, on top of that, it also revealed a lot more details about the nature of his death. So Webster found that Charles's trachea had been cut and that he actually had bruises on his chest and several broken ribs, mm. so this was a, a beating- mm-hmm. um, his defense wounds included a cut on his left hand and bruises on the back of his right arm and forearm, like he was you know maybe lifting his hand up to shield his face. Gotcha. Webster did conclude that the wounds found on Charles were consistent with the pitchfork, which obviously was mm-hmm. through his face, mm-hmm. and that slash hook. Mm. Charles had also been hit, like I said, over the head with his own walking stick, which was found at the scene only about three and a half yards from his body, and there was blood and hair mm. on the walking stick. Gosh. Of course, it is 1945, so... right. What they can do with that is rather limited.
0: Right. Well, and that's what I was getting ready to say. You know, if something like this happened today and we don't have the DNA technology, then we save it, you know, for when DNA advances. But at this point, they're like, what's DNA? You know, and they they wouldn't have and it wouldn't have been stored properly anyway for that long in order to Mm -hmm. figure it out.
1: And like I said earlier, it was determined he was killed between 1 and 2 p.m. I thought this was kind of weird. His shirt had been unbuttoned and his trousers had been unfastened at the top. And oh. his fly was undone. So I don't know if, like, he was maybe in the middle of getting like ready PM? to pee. But then, and maybe it was. Yeah. Well, no, it's
0: February. Mm-hmm. I was going to say maybe maybe it was hot out. And that's why he unbuttoned a shirt. But that doesn't make any sense.
1: Hmm. So I thought that was a weird detail. Um, I know I mentioned briefly that some people said there was, like, a really deep, large crucifix carved into his chest, but the autopsy didn't state that in the report. But there are some accounts that said there was that large crucifix that was carved into his chest, but I'm going to believe what the autopsy says. Yeah, I'm thinking so, too. Potter was interviewed a second time on February the 17th. And during that interview, he actually started to divulge new information that um, investigators thought could maybe help with the case. So he told investigators that he thought, and this is kind of like they raised their eyebrow out at, but he thought um, that Charles was lying about the amount of time he was actually working. So... Because Charles is just working for Potter whenever, you know, weather permits or there's a project that needs done, Potter relied heavily on Charles just being honest with him about the amount of time that he worked or the amount of hours that he was on the job. Okay. And that's how he was paid. So, if Charles was like, I worked five hours, then he was paid for five hours. There wasn't, like, a clocking in and clocking out system. Right, right. So, Potter told police that he thought Charles was saying, oh, I worked five hours when really he worked four. So, he thought he had been paying Charles for hours that he hadn't worked. It just seems odd to even bring that up
0: in a police interview.
1: I know. That's what I thought, too. That's what I thought, too. And Mm -hmm. it was later determined that it wasn't true. So, why bring it up in the first place? I don't understand. But he did in that interview.
0: But that gives a motive, I guess, of being angry if you're wanting to blame Potter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And there, we'll talk about the, the money aspect here in a little bit. But Potter reiterated that he left the village pub at noon. Around 1220 was when he saw Charles as he was heading back to the farm. Potter said that he didn't greet Charles. Like, there was no, hey, how you doing, buddy? Because he was actually in a hurry to get back to the farm to help a cow in need. Well, good for him. That cow needed him. That was... Yeah. (laughs) Help a cow We'll talk about the cow here in a little bit, too. Oh, goodness. Ever in need. (laughs) Suspicion of Potter increased when... He was informed by PCL that the police were actually hoping to find fingerprints on that slash hook thing. Okay. Because once he hears that, he starts to panic and they can see it in his actions and hear it in his voice. Okay. Because he's saying, like, I did touch that. I I just want you to know
0: my fingerprints are going to be on there.
1: I touched that because I had to kind of stable myself when I bent down to see if Charles was actually dead when we found his body. So, you're going to find my fingerprints on there, just so you know, because I touched it. Mm, Which could be true. Oh, yeah, because I would be the same way. I'd pee my pants if they were like, oh, yeah, we're getting ready to look at this such and such for fingerprints. And I had touched it, I would be like, um... I touched that, sir. Just wanted to let you know. I need to let you know this. Crucial information. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it could be... They're
0: on there. Right. But at the same time, I mean, we have to admit that does sound suspect. Yeah. Hearing it.
1: Yes. And because that piled upon the fact that he then starts to seem overly keen on ensuring that his alibi lines up that investigators are kind of like you're being really weird dude oh no so true Crime detective said that he went as far as informing the investigators that he had read the newspaper for just about five minutes before getting on with the work after he returned home from lunch he's like you know i had to i was at the pub i came home for lunch i read the newspaper for a little bit maybe about five minutes and mm-hmm. then i started working again
0: so it's like he's trying to account for every minute. Like, I wash my hands, yeah. and then I realized maybe I didn't get enough soap, so I pumped it twice. And then I was you know, yeah. I mean, it's like every second. Yeah.
1: And almost like things you wouldn't really recall. Like, would you be able to say, oh, I only read the newspaper for five minutes? Or no. would you just say, I read the newspaper for a little bit, you know right. what I mean? Exactly, yeah and he even got his worker Charles Henry who they called Happy um to confirm that he had joined that Potter had joined him pulping some mangolds which i have no how do you pulp a mangold i do not know i don't know is that like a culture thing is that like is that an orange i don't even know if i know what a mangold I don't is know. let me look it up oh a beet what so, I guess, are we making beet juice? Beets, hmm. Maybe yeah. beet juice is... Interesting. Huh. Well, mm, you okay. we know, they're they're up there in age, so they got to stay regular. That's right. Get some beet juice. So, this happy guy says, yeah, after he came home, he went with me and we pulped, pulped some beets before we headed to look at the church clock... And they say then that it was 1 p.m. So they're popping these and then they walk by the church clock and they notice that it's 1 p.m. And the wife says, oh, yep, that's what happened. Um, She even notes that her husband had inquired about lunch after reading his newspaper and hearing it wouldn't be too long he had joined in in the pulping so they have like this whole story about he comes home from lunch he reads Mm. the paper for a little bit he asks his wife hey when's lunch and she's like it won't be too long and he's like well i have time to pulp some beets (laughs) that just sounds so (laughs) ridiculous yep got some time to pulp some beets and like i just feel like this is a totally different, which is a totally different time period. But, right. like, this conversation just, I don't think, would happen in most households in the year 2023. Like, yeah, I, I don't just, think so either. <laughs>
0: Though, I feel like from here on out, the next time something won't take long, be like, just enough
1: time to pulp some beats. Pulp some Like, beats. that's what we <laughs> need to start saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, that got me tickled. I'm going start coughing. <laughs> but, the, the counterpart potter Only seeing Charles on his way back from the pub before pulping those beats contradicted his earlier claims. Because if you remember, he told Edith before the discovery of the body that he had seen his uncle at work after he left the pub. Oh, yeah. So Hmm. seeing him afterwards kind of throws that into... Yeah. It contradicts things. Interesting. And further contradicting things is in his initial statement, he said that he had to hurry home. He didn't stop and talk to Charles because he had to go home and rescue this heifer. Tend to a cow, yeah. Yeah, a cow in need. But we actually later discovered that the cow that he was rushing home to help was already dead when he was rushing home to help it oh that's not good the first of all changing stories or
0: having multiple stories isn't good but the fact that we find out there was no cow in need
1: does not bode well for potter it had been it had been plucked from a ditch so like it had i guess drowned i don't know but it was already dead and this what happened when that the cow had died i read it was the day before Oh, The cow died the day before. Yeah, so he can't oh, be rushing
0: dead. home for that.
1: Right, unless they're cooking up that cow meat. I don't know, but maybe you weren't rescuing a heifer. No, no, you were about to devour it, if that's the case. And Harry Beasley, remember one of the initial trios, also contradicted the account of Potter saying that, with like the fingerprints, because he said he didn't remember seeing potter check for any signs of life he didn't stoop down to check for a pulse none of that so if potter's fingerprints were to show up on any of the instruments that charles had they weren't there by him like steadying himself to bend down and check a pulse or you know Mm. anything like that and harry was adamant that potter hadn't touched any other murder weapons in his presence even though they did go down the hill for a little bit but he said you're going to check for the pulse as soon as the body's found oh yeah you know they were all there and he didn't do that Mm. and even though potter told police hey my fingerprints are going to be on these they weren't no fingerprints were found it was almost like things had been wiped clean Uh, my benefit of the doubt is dwindling yeah Yeah. that's slowly erasing a little bit yeah I did read that they questioned over 500 of Lower Quentin's residents and just interviewed them oh, over the that's murder. a lot. They actually even interviewed children. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. Yeah, that's not something we would do today. No. And they took 4,000 statements. They took samples of hair and clothing from the crime scene. The area was extensively searched. But investigators did say the residents were kind of reluctant to talk a lot or to give a lot of information. And I think part of that is, you know, that small town. We don't really welcome mm-hmm. strangers in. We kind of take care of our own thing. But one of the investigators said, quote, there were lowered eyes reluctance to speak except to talk about bad crops a heifer that died in a ditch but what did that have to do with charles walton nobody would say cottage doors were shut in our faces and even the most innocent witnesses seemed unable to meet our eyes some Mm. became ill after we spoke to them end quote so again like just more of that almost superstitious Mm -hmm. kind of i feel bad saying backward but kind of what it makes me think of backward mentality yeah and so we're going to talk about now theories and motives and folklore all kind of wrapped up into one okay so the first thing we're going to talk about is this possibility that witches are still at large or were at large in the community where charles died hmm okay we're talking about this because one of the investigators investigator investigator spooner stumbled upon a book called folklore old customs and superstition in shakespeare land by j harvey bloom
0: because stratford upon avon is where shakespeare's
1: Mm -hmm. from yes and that book had a passage which had been underlined that said quote a weak-minded young man killed a woman named Ann Tennant with a hay fork because he believed she had bewitched him, end quote.
0: Hmm. That's a weird passage to have underlined for someone who was killed with pitchfork. Like a hay fork? Yeah,
1: because the... Because the similarities between Charles Walton's murder and that of Ann Tennant's were similar enough to kind of cause some suspicion. So, Ann lived in nearby long Campton and was murdered on September 15th, 1875 at the age of 80. So, also elderly. Hmm. And she was killed on her way home from buying a loaf of bread in front of two witnesses by a man named James Hayward. And Hayward supposedly attacked her with this pitchfork slash hayfork, stabbing her in the legs and then in the head after a drinking binge. Interesting. Yes. When on the stand, he claimed that Anne was a witch and she was part of a local coven. And he claimed that he was acting in defense of the village.
0: Hmm, Like protecting them from
1: her... from Witchcraft. the witch in the coven. Mm-hmm. Okay. He said, according to True Crime Detective, that she had, quote, bewitched the cattle and land of the local farmers. And he went on to say, If you'd known the number of people who lie in the courtyard who, if it had not been for witches, would be alive now, you would be surprised. Her a proper witch. End quote. Oh. Okay. Now, he was found not guilty, not because, guilty. Because he was declared insane. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, that
0: makes and sense. And he
1: was sent to spend the rest of his life in a psychiatric hospital where he died in 1890. But mm. there are some that believe in the community that that witch coven was still at large and Charles may have been a witch. thus the reason he was killed.
0: Are you automatically a warlock if you're male and you're a
1: witch? Okay, I need to know... Because do you use witches? Like, does that group everybody together? Like, that's the whole group of people? You know? Or, because I thought you were like a warlock if you were a man.
0: I thought so too. But I don't know. I don't know if you were just automatically a warlock just because you're.
1: Or like, maybe that has to have special training to be a
0: warlock. I don't know. But anyway, so they think he's a member of this
1: group. This coven. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the coven rumor were rumored to meet on this meon Hill, which is steeped in witchcraft. There was a rumor that Charles had been inducted um, or introduced to witchcraft by this younger girl who had bewitched cattle by roasting a cow's heart on fire.
0: Okay, that's total folklore. But, yeah.
1: Yeah. And according to Medium.com, it said, quote, As far back as living memory, the hill has been associated with the cult and black magic rituals. Steeped in mythology, its very existence is said to have been the result of a row between the devil and the monks of the nearby Evesham Abbey, end quote. Mm. So, in this folklore tale, there's one tale that a really mad devil kicked a boulder at the abbey to destroy it, but through the power of prayer the boulder fell on the ground and that is the hill okay then there's another that he like kicked a lump of earth toward the abbey and when the prayers shielded the abbey
0: it created the fell to the
1: earth was the hill yeah there are also um celtic folklore that surround that area so they believed that area was the home of the god of the underworld and that he was guarded by a pack of these really weird black dogs that would go hunting with him for unsuspecting mortals to populate his kingdom and you know to this day witnesses claim that they encounter these dogs on meon hill Mm. so another little piece of folklore and obviously this hill where charles was cutting was part of me on hill so it's just like this whole big circle Mm -hmm. to add to the black dog folklore so this kind of reminds me of harry potter where yeah the grim that's what i was thinking of yeah Mm -hmm. and i wonder if she kind of got some of that from this folklore from that Mm -hmm. area Mm -hmm. but There were reports in that same book with the Ann story that there had been a black dog wandering around the town with a small boy by the name of Charles Walton. Oh. Okay. So, on eight consecutive nights, this 14-year-old Charles Walton, whose age would have lined up with our very own Charles Walton, encountered a ghostly black dog on his way home from the farm where he was working. When Charles says to the farmer... There's this black dog I keep seeing. The farmer's like, eh, you know, just forget about it. Don't think about it. But the dog kept appearing, and it appeared one more time for a ninth and final time. And this time, the dog was walking next to him for a few minutes and then transformed into a headless woman. <gasps> so this terrified him, and he ran home to discover that his sister was dying from an unknown sudden illness. Oh, my. And so, from that time forward, some of the young neighbors, the Walton family, were suspicious that he had practiced witchcraft. And the Legend of the Black Dog played a part of the investigation because in the first few days of that investigation, a police car knocked into and killed a black dog. They found a black dog hanging from a tree, dead, on Meon Hill, and... One of the investigators recounts seeing a black dog himself while searching for clues and a few minutes later, a young boy appeared looking for something and when he asked Mm. if he had lost his dog, the boy ran away. Hmm. So we just have like all of this folklore just mixing in with with everything. But
0: I will say, I mean to me so far as intriguing as that is, Mm -hmm. it does sound like the stuff of legend
1: yeah like it's interesting to talk about right like in a folklorish way yeah not in a, yeah not in a i think this and this is coming from people who support the theories of yetis and <laughs> i not support this theory yeah um the next two i actually read on medium.com so apparently charles's friend george higgins was working in the same area about 300 yards from where the body was found how George becomes a suspect okay is because apparently the two men had a falling out I don't really know about what around Christmas time and they were still feuding in February so a lot of people kind of pointed to him and said you know this would have been a prime opportunity for him just to make his way across the field and kill his friend mmm but the investigators, those two lead ones, um, are like, yeah, I don't really see that happening. They're both elderly. This was really vicious. Like, this George guy is way too frail uh-huh. to beat the crap out of his friend uh-huh. and then stab him in the face with a pitchfork. Right. And then we still have the theory of the POW because close to Lower Quinton was that Italian prisoner of war camp, and as the war was kind of closing out, the prisoners were given, um, we'll say unprecedented levels of freedom. Right. So they were sometimes used by local farms for cheap labor. They were allowed to travel to and from work in the camp without being supervised. So a lot of people wonder, maybe. It was one of the POWs that happened upon Charles and just murdered him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would be very likely. Yeah, I'm not feeling it Because I would either. think their motive would be theft.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, unless he said something, you know, completely mm. off the wall to provoke an attack, but... I'm kind of doubting it. I feel like more people would be like, yeah, he's mouthy. You know, if he's going to be the kind who would say something.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's what I was about to say. And some people said, like, he would speak his mind if he needed to, but he didn't go out of his way to confront people. Mm -hmm. So, I just don't think that one really makes sense either. Yeah. The prime suspect in the case was and still is the owner of the farm where charles walton died and that is alfred potter Mm -hmm. so there was a suggestion that the money issue oh where he said like
0: oh he didn't work enough hours compared to what i paid him for Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and there was also like a rumor that one or the other had borrowed money from the other one and it hadn't been repaid and that had kind of put a damper on their friendship but the Mm. niece edith said that that didn't happen we also have the really weird behavior throughout the investigation remember when he's shaking and he says he's cold and then he's like really obsessed with his alibi Uh, and his stories change. Yeah, and he was really wanted to make sure they knew, like, my fingerprints are going to be on there, just so you know, but it's not me, but you're going to find my fingerprints. Mm. Like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then there, of course, were no fingerprints, because it looked like it had been wiped clean. Right. Eventually, Potter was asked to supply this part I thought was crazy. So, eventually, investigators did say, hey, you know what? Just to be sure, we need the clothes you had on that day. Like, we just want to, oh. like, check and make sure. Okay. And he did turn over his clothes. There was a stain on the front of his trousers, which investigators said could have been blood. Okay. The issue here, though, is they had been so thoroughly scrubbed that they couldn't determine if it was blood or be able to, like, really take a sample or anything like that to compare Mm. to Charles's blood type. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we know that he gave those contradicting accounts of movements through that day and when he had seen Charles and all those changing testimonies. And then, um, like we mentioned, that thing about the money. Right. So, I guess, could Charles maybe have felt he was owed more money? Could Potter have thought Charles was lying about his time and that he confronted him and it turned into this bloody murder i don't know yeah what do you think
0: i am feeling that as well um like i said the witchcraft theory to seems too much like lore Mm -hmm. the prisoner of war i understand but i feel like that suspect seems more like a scapegoat Mm -hmm. given the time which means yep. I end up with Potter also. And I'm with you. All those things that you mentioned, the changing stories, the feeling like he has to account for every second of the time um, and get, you know, his actions corroborated by people around him. Yeah. And the cow story, but then finding out that it had died before Charles's death. I, There are too many inconsistencies I feel like because you know especially then and with not as many things that I imagine that you're doing in a day I think everything that happened on a day when you discovered somebody dead especially in in Charles's condition you would remember what you were Mm -hmm. doing right before that happened and it wouldn't Mm -hmm. change so that's why i'm suspecting him as well at least having more knowledge than what he's admitting
1: yeah i agree the case of charles walton remains an enigma and a chilling unsolved mystery Despite extensive investigations and numerous theories, no definitive answers have been found regarding the brutal murder on February the 14th, 1945. Theories ranging from witchcraft and the occult to World War II, prisoners of war, have been proposed, each with its own set of compelling arguments and speculative elements. However, the lack of concrete evidence and the absence of a clear motive continue to obscure the truth behind Walton's tragic death. The enduring fascination with the case stems from its unique blend of rural folklore, historical context, and the sheer brutality of the crime. The uncertain times of World War II and the tensions within the community at the time further fuel speculation regarding potential motives, yet the lack of witnesses, forensic technology, and leads has hindered progress in solving the case, leaving it to be remembered as one of Britain's most perplexing unsolved mysteries. The legacy of Charles Walton's murder lives on, captivating the minds of true crime enthusiasts, historians, and those fascinating. Fascinated by the unexplained with time passing and the number of living witnesses dwindling it becomes increasingly unlikely that the truth will ever be fully uncovered the case of charles walton continues to serve as a haunting reminder of the limits of human understanding and the enduring mysteries that sometimes remain hidden within the fabric of our history Again, please like and join our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Cases Coffee, on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon.
0: Stay together.
1: Stay safe. We'll, we'll see, see you, you next week. Slav <music> Maggie and Allison. Whoop, whoop. And guys, this is a big Uh, week. Yes. I needed it. I'm here for it. Me too. We have lots, I mean tons and tons, of love going out to so many people because we've had so many people reach out to us on social media or email us Mm -hmm. like Drea, Arlene, Holly, Paula, Brenda, Julia, Tony, you all think I'm done, I'm not, (laughs) Michaela, Dana, Sharon, Kat, Amanda, Tracy, Sarah, Jesse, Kent, Kelsey, another Julie on email. You all are the real MVPs. Yes. Because we needed that this week. Yes, we did. And I love this personal connection that I share with Julie and her pronunciation of the word oil. Mm -hmm. Whereas some people would say oil. And I bet she also has trouble saying rural. Well, she's not even
0: from Kentucky, which I thought was crazy because she said, but her grand uh, grandfather, I think she said, was, so it got passed down. Oh, she picked it up. Mm-hmm. I love that though. Mm-hmm. See,
1: I know. we're friends. We're connected with That's our right. with our accents. Yep.
0: Yes, and so much love also. Uh, like, in addition to all of those people, also mm-hmm. goes out to Nicole, Jessica, Suzanne, AJ, Christine, Jackie, Lauren, Martha, Carrie, Sarah, Deborah, Amber, Courtney. You think I'm done? I'm not. Mm-hmm. Jerry, Lynn, Chris, Beth, Melissa, Blake, Hannah, Jessica, Anna, Granddaddy, and my mom for mm-hmm. voting for us for the best female hosted podcast for Podcast Awards.
1: I love that. You're, <laughs> is that your granddaddy?
0: It is Rodney's stepdad, but we call him granddaddy. Yeah.
1: How cute he and your mom. I, I love that. I know. And if you don't know what Allison is talking about, first off, turn the page and catch up. But <laughs> for the second year in a row, we have been nominated for Best Female Hosted Podcast and People's Choice in the Podcast Awards, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Super exciting. And it would, it would, mean so much to us and i think do such great things for our show yeah if you guys would just take a minute to vote for us it literally takes i mean does it even take a minute i don't think it took a minute
0: i know i even said on one of our social media posts i said have a voting party and i said of course it would be a very short party because
1: it would only last about a minute (laughs) yeah so I mean, you could probably honestly go to podcastawards.com, which is where you go to vote Mm -hmm. and vote while you listen to us finish these love notes. Uh, Yes.
0: That's a great idea. Multitasking. So,
1: everybody? Yes. Go ahead and head
0: on over there right now. That's right. Please do. And we want to give love to those who support our little show another way as well on Patreon, because you guys mean the world mm-hmm. to us. And if you have not yet joined Patreon, please consider doing so because you will get some bonus content. And if you join at the 12, 15, or $20 a month level, you will also get quarterly swag boxes in addition to the content.
1: And we got a cute little picture today of Loved one it. of our Patreons. Drea. I know.
0: The,
1: yeah. In the shirt. It was so cute. I know. I can't believe we are down to only one more swag box going out, though, <laughs> before baby Dameron gets here. I so. know.
0: <laughs> Counting down the fine. days. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just I have to I have to birth a human, but, you know, it's fine. <laughs> and I told Anthony, like, is it just, is it me? Or is it every person that's, like, a new parent, you you're, you, make the decision, like, yeah, we're going to have a kid. And in our case, like, we really had to think about it because right. yeah. you, know, you came with IVF. So. But then, like, you birth a baby and they just send you home with it with no training. I know. Whatsoever. Yeah. Like, even though you like, know the baby's weird. coming, it still
0: goes from there being two of you to there being three of you. And it's. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a little scary. But so exciting. But it's going to be fun. Yes, it will. And if you would like to get in on swag, make sure to join. Did get four new five-star written reviews, which makes me very happy. Yes.
0: Yes, and we got one from Mrs. Rouleau, who said, quote, I love the chemistry between you two, and the research you do is fantastic, end quote, which made me super happy, and one from I Love Steel Drums, who wrote, Mm -hmm. quote, ladies, I love your show, and now you have completed me. I am 51 (laughs) and lived in Caldonia, New York for 29 years, driving past Tammy Joe's Headstone, hundreds of times and never knowing her story and now I do thank you so much for covering her case I am shocked that you have even heard of it end quote
1: I am amazed by that little review that I feel like that's a big accomplishment for us right like yeah finally was able to connect the dots yeah yep I know and it was just one that when I read about the case, I knew I needed to cover it. And I'm glad you found us and you got to hear that story and yes. make that connection. Yep. We also got a five-star review from 1982 Philly 2014 from Canada A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I Canada know you do. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote, quote, love your podcast, one of the good parts of my week, end quote, the Sweet. best part of my week. Yeah. And a five-star from baby lynn who wrote quote i'm late to the party you're never late to the party girl no, you can no, catch up that's right but she said i'm late to the party but the ladies are like friends i've known forever it's taken me several weeks but i'm caught up oh and sort of sad that i have to wait for new episodes now the stories are thoroughly researched and the tone is always respectful and their caring spirit comes through every time and there's just enough chatting to get to know them end quote i'm telling you, <laughs> You could join Patreon. Yes, if you haven't, then you would
0: have that to catch up on. That's true. That was such a good review to read, though. That was good for my it soul, because
1: yeah, we've been so things.
0: overwhelmed, and it's just mm-hmm. we definitely needed to feel the love this week, and our Sleuth hounds delivered.
1: Yes, per usual. Yeah. And with that, all of our love is going out to each and every one of you. Until next week, Sleuth hounds Nom, nom.